Blessings, blessings, blessings to everyone. If you are new for the first time here today, at the end of service, just make sure you stop by our Welcome Center. We want to get to know who you are. Just get to know your name real quick. Hear a little bit about your story briefly. I know you might have plans and things to do, an, an Easter ham to go eat or family gatherings to get to and all that stuff, which is all good. But I'm glad you took the time to celebrate with us today. My warmest welcome to you. Whether you're engaging with us here today for the very first time at Celebration International Church, uh, you're exploring uh, church in this day that people talk about, Easter Day, uh, or you're part of the family here, I'm glad that you are with us. I'm glad that today we get to celebrate, as today is not just another day in the long weekend. Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. It's just not another day that you have in this long weekend to celebrate or to relax or to go, you know, on an exploration or doing whatever it is that you plan to do on long weekends. Today, Resurrection Sunday, is a day that we recall an extraordinary event that has extraordinary, practical, far-reaching implications for each and every one of us. It's a day that actually impacts our lives. It impacts everyone's life. It's the day that we celebrate whereby everything in Christianity, the the, the pinnacle miracle of Christianity resides upon. It was what happened on this day. And somebody say amen for that. It's the day where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from among the dead and what that resurrection affords you and I. Amen? And so we've got plenty of messages that we talk about when it comes to this day. As churches gather every year to celebrate this moment, we talk about the resurrection throughout the year, but on this specific day, we focus and hone in on this day and, and this event. And oftentimes, what we'll do is we'll, we'll share with you evidences, the great, incredible, magnificent, you know, um, attested historically and, 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 and psychologically in all these different ways and, and avenues which we can attest the accuracy, the evidence of that event. And we have so many of those sermons within our, uh, our channel, so I would encourage you to go and, and take a look at that and explore that this morning. I ask that you afford me some creative license. Is that all right? I ask you that you afford me some creative license to approach this incredible event that happened 2,000 years ago from a very uncommon perspective. I ask that you would afford me the creative license to look at Easter through the eyes, or better yet, through the ears of one particular man, a man named Malchus in the garden. I served an unapproachable God. While I, I served the high priest that served an unapproachable God. But everything changed in that one night. Everything changed in one night. I was drugged to the garden and then my ear. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me back up. I was there in the garden with Judas. Judas knew exactly where Jesus was going to be, and we were all there waiting for him. It was crazy that night. His disciples were with him, but I saw Jesus. I I was very close to Jesus, and you could tell he was visibly upset. And uh, Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek, 
and I was standing so close that I heard Jesus call Judas friend. And that's the last thing I heard, because in a moments later, I heard nothing. I, I saw the flash of a blade come toward my face, and, and I felt blood streaming down, and then it got quiet. And then I got dizzy, and then Jesus, he, he touched me. Like I said, I heard all the stories about Jesus, and I've heard all the stories about how Jesus healed people with his hands. There was this one time he, he healed a person with, with dirt and spit. And so many people, he just healed them with his hands, but it wasn't his hands for me. It was the way he looked at me. It was his eyes. That's what broke me. His eyes were filled with compassion and grief and joy. And, and, when, he, and when he pulled his hand away, my ear, I mean, that night, everything I heard about that man had changed forever. They had a mock trial for him. Um, the whole night was just set up to condemn him. And he didn't say a word. He, he just felt sorry for us. There was the sentencing, there was, there was Pilate, uh, the crucifixion, and then there was an earthquake. And then the veil. I was in the temple. I was in the temple when the veil was, was ripped in half. Do you know what that means? I mean, even, even I knew what that meant. God had invited us all in. The unapproachable God was now approachable. God was on the move. Malchus, the man in the garden, was just a minor player, a minor part in the narrative of the gospel story. He's mentioned once here, and he's referred to one other time in the gospel of John. But then Malchus just disappears. He falls off the radar. This man has an incredible encounter with Jesus, an incredible moment where he's face to face with the Messiah. But then he falls out of the pages of Scripture. He disappears from the story. And I have often wondered about this man. I've considered and thought about this man and how come it is that I don't have any more about his story. Whatever happened to him? Was that encounter that night just relegated to a really cool party story? Let me tell you about my scars and my battle wounds. Oh, yeah, that's a cool story, but I, I can one-up that. I can remember a night when my ear was on the ground. Whoa, what happened? You have two ears. You know, was it that, that weekend, that moment, that encounter? Did it, did it affect him, even if it affected him for one weekend? I've wondered, what happened to this man? Could it have been that his life, as the video intimated, could it be that this man had truly had a life-changing 
encounter. I wonder. What I do know is that before this event and then after that garden night, Malchus had an ear to hear. And as Jesus once stated in the Gospels, he who has an ear, let him hear. Malchus would have heard something. So this morning, as we step into this message, my proposal to you is, what is it that Malchus would have heard? Will you come on this journey with me? Say amen. Amen. The first thing that this man, Malchus, the man from the garden, because he had an ear, because it had been restored, because this man could audibly understand things, Malchus would have heard that Jesus was crucified. We don't know how big the crucifixion in event had an impact, how that moment, that, that situation had an impact on the greater city of Jerusalem. We look at it from the context of our day today with all of the scriptures, the Bible that we can read and open and all of these notes and all of these perspectives have been given to us and recorded on paper. We look at it and we say, there's no doubt about it, that that whole city would have been revolutionized. There's no doubt about it, that that day would have been like breaking news. And that moment would have been incredible and everyone would, be, would have been on the edge of their seats. But let me just remind you of something, that the Romans would often crucify people on a regular basis. And the Romans had authority over Jerusalem. They were the higher vessel, the higher power. They were the reigning authority. And they often were putting out little revolts. Within Jesus' own lifetime, there was a rebellion that led to the capture of over 2,000 Jews. The crucifixion of one more rebel rouser, one more person who is, you know, creating dissension, one more person who is amassing a crowd, this one more person, even though it was this popular Jesus, what would be just one more crucifixion? How would that have stood out in the greater context of that Jerusalem city? Besides, there was no social media or live TV coverage to rally people and get momentum going and a buzz happening within the city. There was no one posting Instagram lives or, or, or Twitter or Snapchats or whatever it is. There was none of that. And so could everybody, I bet you on that very day, there were people who knew of Jesus, people who knew him, others who had followed him, but yet they were completely oblivious of all the ensuing drama that was unfolding on Golgotha's hill that day in the outskirts of Jerusalem. I believe that it might not have been such the flurry of activity, the groundbreaking news that we tend to read into the story. But Malchus, go back to Malchus, He was there for the arrest when everything started. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. His boss, Caiaphas, the high priest, had orchestrated the entire thing. And so besides, Malchus, this man who had come face to face with Jesus, who had an intriguing encounter, that man who was there in the garden, why not with that man? Would it be a stretch to consider this man being present also at that crucifixion? The crucifixion of Christ wasn't a story for this servant. It wasn't just another event 
But it was one that involved people that he knew. It involved himself. His boss, Caiaphas, like I said, had been there. He had orchestrated things. And so for most of us today, I want us to consider this. We know that Jesus was crucified. And some part of us, we might feel like that was bad. That might not have been the best thing. That, that might not have been the fair or the nice things. And, and what we have heard, that it wasn't something that was done nicely unto him, but it was a cruel act, and it was a painful act. It was a difficult moment. We've heard the sermons and the stories of Good Friday. We've heard the portrayals in the media. We've seen the movies, The Passion of the Christ, or whatever it is. And so we have this understanding or this insight that it wasn't quite that good, despite the fact that the church calls it Good Friday. Yet Malchus knew. We may not know the full depth of what it was and why it's so bad, but he knew. For Mark 15, 31 says, So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him on to one another, saying, He saved others, yet he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and we may believe. If Caiaphas was there on that day mocking Jesus, please believe you me that his little slave, his little Malchus, would have been there as well. Malchus was there. Malchus would have been there. So Malchus would have heard the hurling insults. Malchus would have heard the nails being hammered through. Malchus would have heard the screams of the condemned and the weeping of the remaining disciples of the mother of the accused. Malchus would have heard the sayings from the cross. He would have heard Jesus asking for water. He would have heard him committing his mother to the apostle John and declaring, John, she is now your mother. He would have heard Jesus asking the father, 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 why have thou forsaken me? He would have heard the final saying, Tetelestai, it is finished. Malchus would have heard all of that. Malchus would have heard the rattle as we sang, the earth began to shake. He would have heard that moment. And so, that Good Friday, Malchus, a minor man within the story, would have heard that Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary. But that's not the only thing he would have heard. Because Malchus had an ear to hear, Malchus would have heard that Jesus was buried that he was brought down from that cross and buried. Given the charges brought against Jesus, quite the hubbub could be heard around the city concerning the body of this accused. See, Jewish custom opposed that any person be left hanging on gibbets or crosses overnight because such an act would be akin to desecration of the land. It goes back to the law in Deuteronomy. They were against that idea, and the time was short. The day of preparation was there. The Sabbath was the next day. And so what are they going to do? The Sabbath is coming. It's at hand, and all of its restrictions on work, all of its restrictions on travel. What is it that we're going to do? Will this pilot, this Roman governor, suffer us the insult of leaving the bodies on the cross and further desecrating our land? The tension was there. He would have heard the hubbub. And with the charges amounting to treason, yes, 
The Romans sometime consented, but with such treasonous charges, the king of the Jews, who wants to revolt against Rome, shall Pilate release him and take him off that cross. Mark 15, 42, and when evening had come, jump down to 43, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. Hello, Jesus died on a cross. The Roman Governor was surprised that it happened so quickly. He commissions his centurion, go and confirm, is it true what these Jewish priests are saying to me? And when he had learned from the centurion that he, Jesus, was dead, Pilate granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb. When the news of Pilate ordering the body be taken down, when that news arrived in the Temple Mount and it showed up in the vicinity of the high priests and the servants, the next phase of their scheming could be heard among them. The next phase of their planning and conniving could be heard as they pivoted on that decision. And started making their plans. There in that room, Malchus would have heard their initial celebratory boasts as they were excited and cheering for the fact that, yes, he is dead. Finally, that thorn on our side is gone. He would have heard also in that moment the unexpected news that Pilate released the body onto a non-family member. He would have heard in that moment that his boss was hypothesizing how the fact they could start to conspire against the story. How is it? You know what? Here's the, the problem. Now that he has removed that body and it's there, maybe the disciples are going to come and steal the body and feign a resurrection. Maybe they're going to start promoting some fake news at this moment. So we got to come together here, guys. We got to figure something out in this moment. There, Malchus would have heard that their new demands were finalized. Pilate sealed the tomb and post a contingency of armed soldiers. There will be no way that those disciples will do what they might do. There amid all that noise, though, I wonder, here, here's my musings and my, my contemplation, I wonder if in that moment amidst all that noise, the shock, the, the con- conspiracy theories and, and all of the frustrations and all of the griping even of the conservative elect there who are, who are considering is the body going to remain and desecrate the land, as all of this is being said around Malchus, I wonder if he heard the inner dialogue of his heart. Could he hear the perplexing question, But didn't he heal my ear? Was that just an imagination within me? Did I just conjure that up? If I I couldn't have conjured it up. I, I felt the pain. I saw the blood. And yet look at me. I'm here. I'm perfectly fine. I can hear. It's there. I got two ears. I wonder if he started thinking about who is this man, this Jesus of Nazareth? How could he have made me whole? How could he have restored my ability to hear and yet have been powerless 
to prevent his own death. I wonder if Malchus in that moment started to recall the words of Jesus from the night in the garden after the flash of sword was felt and his ear was reattached. If he heard the words of Jesus reiter back into his heart, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? Because he had an ear to hear, Malchus heard of the crucifixion. Because he had an ear to hear, he heard of the burial and death of Jesus. But he was not at all prepared to hear what he heard next. Turn to your neighbor and say, Malchus heard the resurrection. Matthew 28 the incredible story that we so often read at this Easter time. We read the story in Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and for an angel of the Lord descended upon heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. What an incredible picture. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The greatest news that has ever been shared, he is not here. For he has risen, as he said, come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. And then if we jump down to verse 11, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. I suppose that the resurrection could have happened very quietly. The resurrection of Jesus among the dead could have happened beneath the radar and flown under everyone's attention, but it didn't. The priests were among the first people to have found out about that event, about that moment. And as the servant of the high priest, Malchus would have been right there in the center of all of that news, right in the middle of that pin-dropping moment. Just imagine that scene. They're boasting. They're excited. Yeah, he, he, he was taken on the cross, but you know what? We, we, we got it. We figured it out. You know what? Uh, we're going to post a guard. We're going to seal the tomb. There is no way this is not happening. Yes. We're good. We got this. We won. And then the soldier shows up. He, he's not there. Under threat of death, if I confess that under my watch, this man is gone. He is no longer there. I will be executed myself for failing to fulfill my responsibilities. He is not. The stone has been rolled away. We were wide awake. Can you hear the deafening Silence in that moment. Malchus would have heard that. 
See, for everything hinged on the resurrection of Jesus, as Pastor Xavier shared earlier, because if the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ had proved Jesus wrong and them right, then the resurrection of Jesus have proved Jesus right and them wrong. And now, everything that Jesus has said, everything that Jesus had prophesied, everything that Jesus had demanded, now takes on a whole new meaning. It is as the Apostle Paul later goes on to say in Corinthians, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope only in this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. There in that room, Malchus would have heard the nervous reactions. He would have heard their desperate explanations. He would have heard their twisted conspiracy fabrications. He would have heard in that moment the clinking of coins and the acceptance of a bribe. He would have heard all of those things. And I wonder if in that moment, Malchus put his hand to his ear and he started considering all the implications of this grand news that he just heard. What a roller coaster! Of a ride these last three days have been for the servant man called Malchus. Do you have a picture of this man? Can you imagine all that he went through? Can you put yourself in that space? A crucifixion, a burial, and now a resurrection. Now here's the rub, church. I said I've often wondered about this story. Here is the rub, and here is where there is some tension for me. I don't know if it lives within your heart right now, but although that those three events, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, are all historically attested to, Malchus's perspective is pure conjecture, creative license, musings of a pastor, contemplations of the elect, the people who read the stories and the scriptures. There's so many people that we find in the books and the pages of history that we look there in the, in the Bible and we see and wonder, what did they do between this verse and that verse? What happened from that moment and to the rest of their moments? There are so many men and women we can contemplate and, and think about. And apart from this encounter with Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, And one other minor reference in the Gospel of John, Malchus is never mentioned again. Scripture is silent concerning him. We don't know. I don't know. There's no news. But here's the critical point. Here's what I want you this Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday, to come away with. I want you to understand that you have to see this, what he knew and what he had heard. All that he could have heard in that moment, in those days, ensuing after the garden. What matters is this. It's not important what he heard. What is important is what he chose to do with the knowledge that he had. That is the critical point. What he chose to do with the things that he heard. I don't know what his choice was. I don't know what Malchus decided to do. We don't know if he chose to deny what he had seen, what he had experienced, what he had heard. Maybe he discounted his miracle. Think about this. Isn't it something that we sometimes do? We look at the supernatural things of the scriptures and we say, man, I can really get behind this part. But man, that, really, that right there, that just befuddles me. 
Maybe Malchus that day or the length of his days. He could have convinced himself that the wound he had received wasn't truly that bad. Maybe it was just a flesh wound. Maybe his ear would have gotten better all by himself, regardless of whether Jesus had touched his head or not. Regardless of that encounter. Maybe Malchus in that day, maybe, he would go on to confirm the death, the burial of Jesus Christ, but he would have rejected the resurrection because, man, that has to be a stretch, doesn't it? Who can take up their life again? Maybe he had listened to the story of his bosses for so long. Have you ever told yourself a lie so often that you start believing that it is true? Have you ever told yourself something again and again and then the lines between reality and fantasy become so blurred and you just adopt what you have told yourself? If you don't believe so, just start listening to your self-talk because we will say of ourselves all the time, we are worthless we are junk, we are not this, we're not that, we're this, we can't, we can't, no, not. And then if we were to just hear the reality of what God has said in his word, that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, that you are the head and not the tail, that I have a plan and a future for you. If we were to just hear what reality actually is, we would realize our self-talk does not yet align with what reality is. And we act on that, we live in that. Maybe the option of, uh, of considering the fact that he raised himself from the dead was way too enormous to grasp, and so he denied what he knew to be true. Maybe Malchus, he didn't so much deny it, but he ignored it. Hello. Have we ever come across something that, you know, the, have you ever heard the idiom that says, the truth hurts? Sometimes we hear the truth and it might be painful. It might be cause something within us. It might put us on the line for responsibility to, to take ownership and, and live up to something. And we don't really want to step into that because it rubs us the wrong way. And so instead of accepting it, maybe he just, doesn't, he just ignores it. If I ignore this, it'll go away. He had witnessed what had happened but he wasn't ready to act upon it. Some of us, sometimes we witness things and we're not ready to process. We're not ready to accept it. We're not ready to move from it. Malchus had realized the implications that would go along with acknowledging that Jesus not only died, but that he was buried and then he rose from the dead. And if that was the case, then everything that Jesus had taught, everything that Jesus had said, everything that Jesus had requested would have been so much more important. Imagine him in that moment realizing, you know what, wow, Jesus said, I heard, I've been hearing about him. The, the priests are complaining and, and, and they're quarreling over the words that he said. They're fighting over it and dissecting. I heard he said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Whoa. I've heard it said that Jesus declared that my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and that they will never perish and that not one of them will be snatched out of my hand. Malchus could have heard the implications of those words and he could have been blown away at them. But then he would have remembered that Jesus also said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross daily and follow if you want to gain your life, then you must lose it. He who wants to be first must become the servant of all. He may have heard that we are to drink his blood and, and, and eat his flesh, a figurative thing. 
which sounds so difficult and weird, and what is that all about? But to accept him, Malchus could have realized the implications of it all. And acknowledging would have required him a transformation. It would have required him to completely change how he lived and how he related to people. So maybe Malchus in that moment realized, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready for what I've heard. I've heard of a burial. I've heard of a crucifixion. I've heard of a resurrection, but I am not ready And the longer he ignored the event of the garden, the foggier it got, the more unclear it became, and the less often it would resurge back into his mind. Have you ever had that happen with you? There's a moment that you say, I don't want this moment to ever pass me by. I don't ever want to forget this moment, this incredible victory or that incredible challenge and how I overcame it. I don't want to. But if we ignore it, if we don't build memorials, if we don't put things in effect and in place for us to consider that again and again, the human mind is frail and we forget. No wonder we have so many pictures on our phones and so many video recordings of things because we can't remember exactly. We lose sight of that. Or maybe Malchus chose to act on it. I don't know. I don't know what he did. Maybe he chose to act on it. Maybe what happened in that garden wasn't just the story in itself, but it was the intro to his story. It was the beginning of something new and grand within his life. It was what Corinthians says that the old is gone and the new has come and it changed. And the only reason why we hear his name out of all four gospel writers, three of them don't even mention who he is, but John, John, the, the, the apostle whom Jesus loved, the one who, who would constantly be touched by Jesus, who would reside and recline on his bosom. At that last supper, the one that was so intimate with Jesus, could it be that this man who also had an encounter with God finally knows the name of the servant of the high priest? Why? Because it was the beginning of something grand in his life. Maybe this was the ground-shaking, ground-breaking, life-altering moment that it deserves to be in every one of our lives. Why? Because here's the point, church. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As Malchus came with an armed contingency of guards with clubs and swords in that garden night, and he came to apprehend Jesus, maybe he's the man that first laid his hand upon Jesus, so Peter whips out the sword and cuts down the ear. But one thing I do know, whether Marcus heard this clear or not, and whether we hear it clear or not today, please listen up and perk up your ears. While Malchus was still a sinner, Christ went and died for him. While I was still lost in my sins, Christ died for me. While I was still hostile towards him, he laid down his life for me. That is the wonderful miracle of the Easter story, that a God who loved us so, while we were still hostile and alienated from him, did not consider himself to be far above us or consider us to be so below him and so unworthy of his incredible love that he did not step out of heaven and come down, humble himself to becoming a man and dying on the cross. But then that redemption which he purchased only becomes effective if Jesus can, in fact, destroy the sting of death and raise himself from the grave. What I do know is whether Malchus responded positively or negatively, what I do know is that what we choose to do, if he chose to accept his life, his future, his eternity, would have been different. 
So some of us today, we're here, we find ourselves in church, we go uh, on Easter, we go on Christmas, we go throughout the year, and we have incredible moments and incredible community, and there's so many good things that the church can offer us, but one thing I got to tell you, the greatest thing that the church will ever offer you, the greatest thing that the Bible will ever provide for you is the knowledge that you can hear that He is risen, and that He is for you, and that the day of your salvation is near. The day of salvation is today, and so you can stand here and tell me all the reasons why it did happen or didn't happen or whatever it is that you want to believe but one point is this when you stand before God on that final day as he is waiting to judge each and every person what is going to happen is this he's going to ask you what did you do with what you heard what did you do with what you have heard if you have experienced the love of Jesus then today you get to reaffirm it. If you've never come and entered into a relationship with the Lord, then today you can change that. Today is the day of salvation. And as James puts it in his, in his letter and epistle, he tells us that today is the day. Like, let's not delay. Let's not, you know, consider another moment, another day. Why wait? Because he says in his book that, you know what? Today, we don't know what, 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 what tomorrow will bring. Today is the day. What's your life? For you are a mist and you appear for a little bit of time and then you are gone. You vanish. Today is the day. So I invite you to stand with me. You've heard it said that Jesus is alive. You heard us sing and celebrate and worship that he is truly alive. But let me tell you, that is more than just a song. It is more than just words on a paper. It is a historical event that has been contested. And there are so many resources. There's so many sermons. There's so many things that we can go through all the nuances to help you to grasp and contemplate and secure that fact within your heart. But let me tell you this, each and every one of us, have an experience that is available to us as we would only welcome him in. Every one of us can come to experience him. Perhaps you're here today, you've come to church and God ordained you to be here this morning so that you could hear once again that the resurrection did happen. That Jesus Christ, yes, he died on a cross. Yes, he was buried in the tomb, but he did not stay there. He got up where everyone else, while Mohammed is still in the grave, while Buddha is still in the grave, while all of these different leaders and religious authorities are in their graves, Jesus Christ is the only that has an empty tomb. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And he is purchasing for you your salvation. He's declared it is finished. So if you have not entered into a relationship with Christ this morning, or if you have, I want us all to pray a prayer today. I want us all to just declare today, I'm not going to walk away without doing something about what I'm hearing. I'm going to respond to what I am hearing because believe you me, each and every one of you, you're like me. You've done something you're not proud of. You've missed the mark many times for all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have gone astray and are like sheep heading for slaughter. So I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want all of us to pray it because I want to celebrate the fact that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we come into an intimate personal relationship with him, but we are not alone in the journey 
with him. We have a contingency of others who are hearing the same good news, who are hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, who is hearing the promise and the eternal, you know, benefits and blessings that are afforded to you. So I want us all to pray this prayer together. Say this with me, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he gave his life for forgiveness of my sins. And he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that moment right now? Can we just celebrate the fact that there are people who are responding to the incredible miracle of the resurrection of Christ? As we conclude our service this morning, I want you to know that God so intimately loves you, that he has a plan for you, and that if you don't have a church that you are regularly a part of, then we open our arms to you and say, welcome. Find out more of what we have going on here, things that are happening throughout the week and on the weekends and and events for different ministries, but get plugged in and start walking and journeying with this Jesus who moved to restore you when there was no hope left for you. Will you raise your hands with me? If you need any prayer, if you need any encouragement, we invite you to come up to these altars. Our serving board will be here to pray for you and encourage you. But may the love of God, that incredible love that did not withhold his own son, May the mercies and the grace and the compassion of Jesus Christ that willingly said yes and humbled himself for you. And may that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that carried him through as he said, not my will be done, but yours be done, Father. May that empowerment enrich you as you go from this place and shine the incredible light and broadcast the incredible news that I have heard that in fact, he is risen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.